All right, let's, let's do this. Let's take our Bibles today and turn to John chapter 3. I'm going to lay aside my message. It's already just three minutes to 6 o'clock, and we're not worried about... I'm not worried about time. Maybe you are, but uh, I won't keep you too, too long. We're going to just do something a little different tonight, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And so here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Um, take out a pen and a paper, if you have one, and, and just make some notes. And uh, you'll find out why in a minute. Not because I have anything amazing wisdom to share or anything like that, but I just want to share a few Bible verses with you um, that might help us as a church. And uh, this last few weeks, we've been, uh, we've been talking about, we've, we've had to get a new lawnmower for the church. And so we've had several deacons meetings and gone over all kinds of quotes and different things. I had 10 different quotes, 10 different types of lawnmowers and different things. And finally found what we were looking for. And, and uh, the dealer that carried that brand and such was up north of Burgessville in Holbrook. I guess it's kind of uh, west of Burgessville there on Highway 59. And, and so I went up to there to the dealership and was in there three or four times. We had to test the model and, and took Frank up to look at it, the mechanics of it all and all the rest. And then I went back and made a deposit. And, and then we finally, we picked it up on Friday. And on Friday, while we were closing out the bill and I had a check from the church and all the rest and closing out the bill, I had noticed while I was in there that uh, all the young ladies dress very modestly in skirts and, and dress very modestly. And, and the dealers in there, the men, they all, they, they just carry themselves a certain way and talk a certain way. And I, I just kind of felt like this is a Christian business. I just kind of got that impression. And so I was in the office and the owner was there and a young lady. And I said, let me ask you guys something if I could. I said, you folks must go to church somewhere. And they said, yeah, we do. Everybody that works here pretty much goes to the same church. We all go to the Netherlands Reformed Church. Or the, uh, and, and so they begin to talk about that. And I said, oh, hey, do you know Hank and Carolyn Rutenbeek? They said, yeah, we know them. They knew your maiden name. They told me that. And, and they asked about you. They said, how is she doing? She had cancer real bad. And they were concerned about you. And I thought that was a blessing to hear. But here was, here was the thing that struck me when I was driving home. Here was a whole business of people that looked and talked and acted just right, would be fine representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, but from people that grew up in that church would say, probably don't know the Lord. Strong Calvinistic views to the point where if you were to ask the pastor, how do I be saved? They say, we don't mess with that. That's God's business. He'll decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Well, in the end, he will, based on who's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who is washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just want to share for a few verses with you tonight, if you can want to take some notes. And it's, it's not a lecture on Calvinism. I'm sure not prepared to do that tonight. I have notes on that kind of thing uh, and maybe some other time. But, but just for tonight, I just want to share a few, few verses. How do we share the gospel? What are some verses that would help us when you run into something like that? And I, I talked to Gary, the owner, and a uh, super nice guy, and, and uh, he, you know, he began to talk about, uh, he, he, matter of fact, he used these words, and I said, I, I said, Carolyn seems to be doing very well. I said, uh, she's told, she told me that in the past she had cancer when we first met, and, and we talked about that a little bit, but I said, I, as far as I know, it's clean, there's no reoccurrence of it, and he said this, that's because of God's blessing. And I said, you're absolutely right. It's because of God's blessing. 
But how many of you know that we can, come, we can say the very same things but come from very different places when we say those things? And so I, I'm so glad to know that not only do I believe in God's blessings, but I believe God blesses his children, those who are bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and are born again. And so uh, let's just look at John chapter 3 tonight real quickly, and I'll give you a couple other verses in the book of Romans. And I would encourage you to write some of these down in your Bible. If you put it on a piece of paper, it might fly away somewhere, but you write it right in the flyleaf of your Bible, then you'll have it when you want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. In John chapter 3, we read the story of Nicodemus. The Bible says a ruler that came to Jesus by night. And the Bible says in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. One thing that strikes me about Nicodemus is what strikes me about a lot of people in this world today. There was a genuine belief in God. They believed he existed. As a matter of fact, there are so many today that will have their own variations of what they believe and the, they'll talk about heaven or the afterlife, especially if you were to go to a funeral home tonight and walk into the room. Most funeral homes, people will say, I believe that they're in a better place. They're in a better place. They never believe that they went to hell. They never believe that. As a matter of fact, most people won't believe there is a hell. But here's the truth. The only concept we have of heaven comes from the same book that we get hell from. You cannot take one without the other. You cannot separate the two. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 17 when praying to his father, thy word is truth. And so we take it at all as truth. And if we're going to believe in hell, we are believe in heaven, we must also believe in hell because they're both Bible concepts. Nicodemus had a belief in God. He believed he was a religious man. He was a Pharisee who came to the Lord Jesus Christ and he said, we believe that thou art a teacher come from God. We believe that. We believe you're a teacher, a good man. And there's a lot of people today that believe the same. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born? Or sorry, verse 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter again the second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so we must understand, first of all, tonight that for anybody to inherit the kingdom of God, they must be born again. We have to establish that. There's a reason we have to be born again and born into the kingdom of God is because we are lost. We'll look a little bit more at that in a moment, but look down at verse uh, 14. The Bible says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have ever eternal life. I understand that there's more to the gospel than just John chapter 3 and verse 15, but I believe there's enough of the gospel in John 3.15 that somebody can be saved. That if it were to wash up on the shore of a deserted island and, and that verse was written on a piece of paper and tucked into a bottle, washed up upon the shore, and somebody opened up that, that little piece of paper and it read that verse that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life, they could be born again by simply believing. Trusting in Jesus Christ. 
knowing that he paid the price for their sins. And he says, here's why we can believe in him. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And I want you to notice some things tonight. As I was thinking about those folks over at GJ's uh, farm equipment, notice what it says here in these few verses. Verse 15, whosoever, whosoever believeth. The invitation is open to all. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says in, in Revelation chapter 21 that whosoever may, uh, may take of the tree of life freely, we have the opportunity to come to the Lord and be saved. The Bible says in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. The invitation is open to everybody. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. So, so many today that are caught in that religious system of Calvinism believe that God has condemned some to hell, but the Lord Jesus Christ came not into the world to condemn people. He came that, but through him that the world might be saved. But if you just have to simply believe. Nicodemus went away wondering, what is this new teaching? What is this new thing? He couldn't understand what it meant to be born again. He couldn't understand. But here's, here's the, the wonderful thing about Nicodemus. At the end of his life, it was Joseph of Arimathea and it was Nicodemus who came and took the body of Jesus and buried it. It seems like Nicodemus became a believer after all and trusted Jesus Christ to be his savior. Now look, if you will, in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. So John chapter 3, if you want to uh, help somebody come to know the Lord, start with something simple. Help them to understand that they must be born again. It is the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so many people have this idea that I can just be, I can go to heaven one day because I'm a good person and I've done more good than bad in this life. And generally speaking, I'm a moral person and I, I don't tell lies a whole lot and I try to do good and I, I do good works and I, I go to church and I, I've been baptized and, and they have a laundry list of things that they have done that makes them fit for the heaven of God in their eyes. But Jesus still said, ye must be born again. Even Nicodemus, a religious man under the covenant of Israel, who believed that Jesus was sent from God, needed to be born again. Romans chapter 3. The Bible says there in verse uh, 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. If you're writing down a passage, just write down Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 through 26. And notice what he says in that very first verse, verse 20. It's such an important thing. Why can we not be saved by keeping the law? Because it doesn't justify us in the sight of God. He says this, the law is there to reveal that we are sinners. It teaches that we are sinners. Therefore, the deeds of the law, then shall no flesh be justified in sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. It wasn't long ago, I was driving somewhere, and I said to my wife, I said, hey, if you see a speed limit sign, let me know. I said, I haven't seen one on this whole stretch. I don't know, I don't know if I'm speeding or not. How many of you have wives that are good at pointing out the speed signs? Amen. And so when we saw one, she pointed, well, there it is. It's 80 kilometers or 100 kilometers, whatever it was. And, and, so, and so I adjusted my speed accordingly. 
And so, but without the knowledge of the law, I didn't know whether I was breaking law, but that's what the Old Testament does for us. It shows us that we're sinners. And read on, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Look at verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What a condemnation. We have all sinned. And we've all fallen short of his glory. But look at verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If I have fallen short of the glory of God, I read verse 24 and I find out this. Somehow, I have to get in Christ Jesus. And how do I do that? The redemption through his blood by his grace. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but, and I, I always call that the greatest but in the Bible, but the gift of God is eternal life, and, and don't leave off those last few words, through Jesus Christ our Lord. I've heard that verse quoted a lot of time. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's not enough. It must be through Jesus Christ. And we emphasize that. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. Here's a great time to throw in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And of course, Thomas doubted. He says, how can we know the way? And in verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Normally, if sharing the gospel, I'll go to Roman, John 3, Romans 3, Romans 6, 23, and then John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, and share those verses. Let me say this. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. You know, sometimes we just want to give somebody a gospel track and move on. Take the time to share the gospel with them. I remember hearing a message by Dr. Ouellette one time, R.B. Ouellette, as pastor of First Baptist Church in Bridgeport, Michigan, and now retired from that in evangelism. And he said that he was walking into the gym one day and he handed a gospel tract to a couple fellas and he, he says, I was just trying to grab a quick workout and I had a class back at the church that evening for their college program. And he says, oh, I gave him the tract and said, here fellas, would you read this? And he says, I walked just 10 feet past them and he says, the Holy Spirit said to me, you could tell them what is in that gospel tract if you wanted to. And he thought, boy, I'd win more souls to Christ if I wanted to. So I turned around and I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. It took all the time. So I didn't make it to my class that night. I had to call and say, listen, I'm not going to be there. I'm talking to two souls about this gospel. He says, what happened to those two souls? Years later, they were both deacons in the church and faithful families in their church. Because he took the time to share the gospel. The gospel is an exclusive gospel. Jesus is the way. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Look back at Romans chapter 5 now. Just turn back a page. Here's something I think we need to stress as well when sharing the gospel and how important this is. That the gospel is a message of love. 
There's so many today that have it backwards, don't they? They say, well, I don't want to serve a God that sends people to hell. God is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we, we suffer the wages of sin, which is death, separation from God in a place called hell. That is not God's will. That is not what God desires. In Romans chapter 5, it's made very clear in verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me say this. If Christ had never been born, we would all go to hell. So don't you dare blame Christ if somebody goes to hell. John 3.17 says he didn't come to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. Just the opposite is true. If Christ had never come, we'd all be lost and bound for hell. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Emphasize that it's a matter of love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. First John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we shall be called the sons of God. How are we called the sons of God? John chapter 1, verse 12. I hope you're writing these down as quick as I'm saying them. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Who is him? John chapter 1, verse 1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was Jesus Christ in the flesh. And so how do we tell somebody about the gospel? Obviously, you have to tell them they're lost. They must be born again. And that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But there's good news in the gospel. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it is a gift of love for, for uh, God commended this love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Is there anybody here tonight ashamed that they believed on Christ? We took testimonies for a half hour straight of people praising God that they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Isn't it wonderful that you can go anywhere in the world and find believers just like you? Isn't that wonderful? Maybe they're not just like you. I hope they're not just like me. Well, I mean, we, we were just in Hawaii. We went to Ohana Baptist Church, and the pastor there is a fellow by the name of Wayne Surface. And pray for Brother Surface. He's 76 years old and he's very, very sick. And uh, so pray for him. And, uh, but we were talking to his wife, Mrs. Surface, and, and she said, I said, where'd you go to college? She goes, oh, you probably never heard of it. We met at Pillsbury Baptist College. I said, did you happen to go to school, Dr. Rasky? She says, he was my pastor when I was in college in Minnesota, Dr. Gerhard Rasky. So such a small world. But you can go anywhere in the world and find believers 
just like us. There's neither Jew nor Greek, but there's one Lord over all. Look at the next verse. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why is there believers everywhere just like us? Because the gospel is available to everybody. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me give you one more passage. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Listen, when you're telling somebody about the Lord, you may not use every scripture. But here's, here's what I know. We have to be ready to give an answer to every man. And I'm going quickly through this tonight, and that's why I encourage you to write these verses down. But could I encourage you to get to know them and memorize them? And you may not say, I, I, I'm not very good at memorizing. Just memorize where they're found in the Bible. I, I think it's more effective anyway to open up the Bible and show somebody how to be saved. Because then it's just not something you're making up. It comes from the Word of God. I heard of a preacher not long ago that was invited to a hospital call. And he said, I, I went to the hospital call and this lady had said, would you go and see my brother? And she, so he says, I will. And he went and saw the brother and he was in the hospital and he realized that he'd left his New Testament in the car. And so he says, I felt bad about it. I wanted to share the gospel with him. So I, I had a day timer, a, a calendar. You kids won't know what those are anymore. Now you got your phones but a daytimer was a calendar book, okay? And it, was, it, said my, it looked like a New Testament. It was a black leather little book. And he says, I put my dates in there. And he says, I thought, well, I know the gospel. So I pulled that out and I opened it up and I, and I just recited it. I just pretended that I had a Bible in my hand. And I, I recited the whole thing and I shared the gospel with him. And he says, that night, he says, that man accepted Christ. And he says, I went back and I told his sister at church the next day, he says, listen, your brother got saved last night. She said, I heard, he called me, he was so excited about it. And he says, I have a confession to make. And he told her the story of what he did. He says, I, I didn't have my Bible. I pulled up my day timers and I just, I just recited the scriptures to him. And she started laughing at him. She says, he's blind. <laughs> He'd have never known the difference. I once was lost. Now I'm found I was blind, but now I see. Ephesians chapter 2, notice what it says. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That means made alive. He's writing to a church of believers at Ephesus who already knew the Lord and were saved. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now if you're going to write down a verse, write down Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And then write down verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. They said, what is grace? It is a gift. It is the gift of God. We already know what that is. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Grace is a gift you do not deserve. We do not deserve eternal life, but it was gifted to us because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works. That answers a lot of religious questions right there, doesn't it? A lot of those who believe they can be good and work their way to heaven. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Write down Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Let me ask you tonight, have you trusted Christ? You've been listening tonight just 
almost like it's a, a classroom and a lesson time, and I, and, I, and I know I've approached it that way. But maybe through the scriptures that you've heard, the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart once again. He said, I must be born again. I must call upon the name of the Lord. You see, the gospel is a personal gospel. And when we stand in church and we say these things and read these scriptures, it's, it, it's not to the masses of people. I praise the Lord that this morning, I believe, was the highest attendance uh, that we've had in, in, since I've been in church here. I, I believe it was the highest attendance other than maybe like an Easter service or a Christmas service, but for just a normal Sunday. But when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not to the 265 people here. It's to the individual. Each one of you is a whosoever. Each one of you must make a decision. You can't stand before God one day and say, well, I was at Bethel Baptist Church on May the 15th of 2023, and I, I professed my love for the Savior publicly with a microphone. And I, and I stood in a baptismal tank, and I was baptized, and, and I, I'm a member there. And it, it, that doesn't work. It's an individual thing. It's not a corporate thing. There are those that will preach that because you're part of the mother church or you're part of the, the, the faith in a very general sense. But no, friends, it is a personal faith. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. I guarantee you this, friend. No church will ever stand before you if your name's not found in the book of life. When you're cast into hell because your name is not there, they're not going to stand up with you then. They would love to take the credit today for you going to heaven. But they will not stand with you if you're going to hell. Every one of us must decide for ourselves, I'm a whosoever. And he is willing to quicken me, make me alive, if I'll just put my faith and trust in him. For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is a personal gospel and it must be a personal decision. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning, just, or this evening, just for a moment. I know we've kept you a little later than normal, but listen, if one were to be saved tonight, wouldn't it be worth it all? If you would take what you learned tonight and lead somebody to Christ this week, wouldn't it be worth it all? We didn't come to church just to get out. So let me ask you, do you know Jesus as your Savior? That's the first thing. I, you know, I look around the room and it's a Sunday night crowd and I know that most profess to be saved and heard most of your testimonies. And, but we don't want to take that for granted. Ida, how long, how long did you believe you were saved? You were 38 and you professed faith as a kid. So 30 years maybe. 30 years my wife believed she was saved. Wanda tonight said 40 years. She testified that she believed she was saved for 40 years. Listen, Wanda Broughton would have stood before the Lord and said, have I not prophesied in thy name? Have I not taught Sunday school in thy name? Have I not worked on a bus in thy name? And the Lord would have said, I never knew you. Until that day, six years ago, I believe it was, that she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ and made sure are you in that boat tonight? Do you know Jesus? Would you slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. Can we help you tonight? 
I'm glad we're in a church that's concerned about souls being saved. And we're concerned about yours. Is there one? Maybe there's some tonight that just say, I need to take what I've learned and, and listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wasn't here last Sunday. Brother Cody preached in the morning. If I were to say, can somebody tell me what Brother Cody preached last Sunday morning? How many of you would might remember? <laughs> if I said, what did Brother Calvin preach last Sunday night? How many of us remember? Maybe a few. Maybe it's something that one of the men said that really spoke to your heart. Brother McTagg the week before. Or Brother Roberts Sunday morning the week before. Maybe it was just that one of those messages. That, and, and there are those that stand out, aren't there? I can, I can remember a message Dr. Charles Keene preached uh, 25 years ago that, that uh, really helped me about when there's separation, when there's struggle, when there's problems, and how to deal with that kind of conflict. And I can remember most of those points. And so every once in a while, but for the most part, we don't remember those things. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Would you, those things you wrote down tonight, would you go home and reinforce them? Would you memorize them? Would you learn them? Would you write them out? You might have just scratched it out really quickly. Why don't you write it very legibly in your Bible? Type it up even on a computer and glue it in the front flyleaf of your Bible so that you have something to help you. Get it in your heart. Know those verses. How many of you say, I want to make that commitment? I'm not going to ask you to show your hands. That's something between you and the Lord. But would you make that commitment that you might be able to share the gospel with somebody to help them be saved? Let me ask you this. If next Sunday morning at the following the service, somebody walks up to you in the hallway and say, listen, I, I heard the gospel today in Sunday school, in church, somewhere. Can you tell me more how to be saved? Could you open a Bible and show them? Or would you say, let me get somebody for you? Let me find one of the pastors, Sunday school teacher or deacon. Can you show them? We need to commit ourselves to the gospel. Let me say this. You can go to heaven. You can go to heaven tonight and never know 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 18. For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. You, 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 can, you can go to heaven without knowing a whole lot about the rapture. But you cannot go to heaven if you don't know the gospel. The message of Jesus Christ dying for your sins. We get sometimes off in those side things, don't we? We like to get on YouTube and find out what it says about giants in the Bible and all these little things. And, and they're interesting, don't get me wrong. And we're to preach the whole counsel of God. But can you share the gospel? Can you tell others? Let's stand tonight and we'll just do some business with the Lord before we go. And Lori's just going to play a verse of invitation. If God has spoke to your heart, just step out and come. If you need to be saved, let us show you what the Bible says about eternal life.